The hustings, the election hustings for the IFA presidency are in full swing. Last week uh, they were down in Goresbridge for the Carlo Kilkenny event and there's a whole series of them going on across the country with voting starting at the beginning of next month and under a new procedure which we won't go into. It's, it's incidental to this. But I'm delighted that Francie Gorman and Martin Stapleton, the two contenders for the IFA presidency, were able to come into the KCLR studios and chat to me. I want to begin immediately by asking both of you, and in alphabetical order, if no, for no better reason, I'll ask Francie Garman. Um, what do you think you'd bring to the role, Francie? Well, firstly, I have great belief in IFA. Always had from the day I joined it as a member from the time I started going into the county executive. And I believe what I'll bring to the role over the next four years is a proactiveness that we've lost over the last number of years. And I'm not going to be critical of people who went before me. I think it's something that we've slipped into. And I want to restore the credibility of IFA as a, a, a strong political force representing farmers. I want people who are disillusioned with the organisation um, to uh, uh, be, at the end of my four years, that they will have said that they'd like to be back members of the organisation, that they feel they rep- that I would represent them well as a president. That's not the case at the moment. There's a lot of farmers disillusioned out there with IFA, primarily because we haven't taken a proactive approach on a lot of the issues. And we seem to be on the sidelines, um, waiting to see what happens. And when you have particularly uh, an issue like the Nitrace Directive that's uh, hugely, hugely um, important in this area, um, and the effect it has on farm income, we didn't, we weren't proactive enough about that. In 2022, the department announced that uh, reduction in stocking rates pending water quality, and the first we knew about it was a month later. That's an example of where we need to be more proactive. And if I'm elected president, that's what I want to do over the course of my four years. Yeah, we'll get into some of those issues. Your course from from Leash, Martin Martin Stapleton. You're a Limerick man, a Limerick farmer. What do you think you'd bring to the role? I am Matt, a Limerick farmer, um, and I, I suppose what I'm going to bring to the role is my experience of the last eight years working at the forefront of IFA. Uh, I'm going to bring a keen focus on delivering for Irish farmers. I think I've done a lot of, of that over the last eight years, and I'm going to bring that to the very front of, of the role as president. Uh, I'm going to bring a sense of the need for us to prioritise what's really important, to focus on what's possible to achieve, to focus on building better relations with everybody that we have to deal with, our food purchasers, our government, the European Union, uh, and and bring back a sense of respect for the IFA by the public at large and a sense of respect for its mem- a better sense of respect that the members have for the IFA as well. Okay, let's continue that then because by by definition, priorities can, can only be a few headlines. W- what are your priorities? What would your priorities be if you were IFA president? Well, I mentioned the respect. Um, a, a big focus on respect again because I think that's become the top issue, the number one issue for Irish farmers. Uh, the next one is unity. I think that we we have got to focus once again on all that we have in common rather than this this focus or this conversation that ongoes about which sector is doing best and which area of the country is doing best and which even which farming organisation is doing best. Unity is important because without it, we won't be strong as an organisation and without strength, we can't deliver. I also want to bring a real priority around our freedom to farm. In the, in, inside every farm gate, there's a real need for a farmer to have a freedom to choose what he wants to do. And if government want to change what farmers do, I think farmers need to be incentivised to do that and supported to do that change, not forced. 
I think, you know, we met, we had the privilege of meeting the US Secretary of State earlier on in the year, and he just said, in order to get farmers to achieve, you've got to motivate them. It's all carrot, not stick. And I think I want to bring that into focus. And again, a support uh, or a, a focus on, insofar as we can, making sure we get proper returns from the marketplace uh, and proper uh, division or proper assignment of the supports for farmers as well, because I don't think we do that well at all at the moment. Francie, delving further into that prioritisation issue, what would you like to have achieved if you became president and, and were finished in four years' time? What would you say, I look back and those are, those are what I achieved? I think, well, my, my focus, my 100% priority would be income. It all comes down to income across every policy that we engage in the department or we engage in the European Union with, how it affects farm income. And there's not enough emphasis placed on... Uh, how these policies been implemented affect the cost of production at farm level and processor level. And I mean, if it affects uh, uh, cost, cost uh, base at processor level, the one, the one group that's going to pay for that is farmers. So uh, it comes back to being proactive about whatever policy um, is, is, is we're discussing at the time. We've got to be prepared to put our ideas forward, get in under the table, make sure that those ideas are taken on board and not be continually waiting for the department or the European Union to come forward with a policy and then try and kick the, kick the stuffings out of it, for the want of a better word, when it's too late. At that stage, you're tinkering around the edges. edges. And if you look at the current cap reform, uh, our President Tim Cullinan has already taken part in meetings and discussions around the current cap reform um, over the last two or three months. There's probably a window of opportunity there for the next two years for us to seriously influence the policies our government are going to take to Brussels. It's uh, to and fro on how they feed over and back. And if we miss that opportunity and those, those policies go to draft legislation, we're back in a situation again where we're only tinkering around the edges of those. And I mean, I, I'd reference a proper environmental uh, uh, scheme that farmer, we haven't had one since Reps 3. And farmers need to be paid for, for achieving environmental ambition. And that's not happening at the moment. What they're doing is they're raiding the current cap policy uh, to fund underfunded environmental ambition. That money should be coming from elsewhere. Cap money should be supported to pr- uh, help farmers produce food in a sustainable way, but also to meet the environmental ambition on their farms. And that's not happening at the moment. And until we're prepared to get in there and put our ideas down on paper, get in there and stand and, and be prepared to stand up from when you go outside uh, uh, afterwards and sell them to your own farmers, we're going to lose out. Martin Stapleton, protest versus negotiation. Where would the priority be? Is there still a place for street protest? There is, Matt. But if you say protest versus negotiation, protest is what comes when negotiations fail. Uh, and and it's more difficult for protests to work. They have become very, very commonplace. Um, it, it, the focus, if you go back to the focus in, on negotiation, this is where real progress can be made. And, and that negotiation strength of negotiation from my point of view comes about from having respect for for the, the IFA by whoever you're negotiating with um, bringing an idea bringing confidence from whoever you're negotiating with that the idea that the IFA can bring that they can sell back at home and the credibility that the IFA need to have with the Irish public you can't negotiate from a strong position if the people you're negotiate, negotiating with don't see you as somebody who support whose voice is really, really important. That's the biggest changes we have to make 
in order to be effective negotiator. No, unity of purpose, Martin, was mentioned. Is it possible for IFA to continue to be all things to all farmers? Necessary. Necessary, Matt. Because without us as an organisation representing farming and the agricultural industry, farmers who work in the agricultural industry, we don't have the strength and we'll end up competing with each other. So it comes back, in my opinion, it comes back to us making hard decisions inside in our own community around what's really, really important. Francie's spoken there about the next cap. The real challenge for us as farmers, as we face into the next cap, is to decide as farmers what we really want to achieve, where we want our focus to be. My focus has always been, and I would identify, vulnerable sectors, vulnerable areas, quality food production and environmental ambition. Those four are for me, but if, if farmers in negotiating with each other come to a different conclusion, that's fine. But that's the challenge, is what do we want to get from the next gap? Because we can't achieve everything that everybody has. Francie, isn't it really impossible to have unity of purpose when I can list off without even thinking about it half a dozen organisations representing or supposedly representing various sectors that were disunited and the government will, will, will ultimately laugh at farmers? Uh, Matt, look, it is a fair point, but the reason we have six or seven farm organisations there, and I can reference a couple of them in particular that have come to the fore in the last 10 years, is because we left a gap there. We weren't listening to farmers on the ground. We weren't representing them. And I think that's one of the key challenges to, to, uh, that I will face when I'm elected president of IFA, is to be able to bring uh, a unity of purpose around the, the big issues of the day. I'm talking about the likes of the cap, cap negotiation, the likes of the environmental issue. They're the two biggest issues we face. And there's a lot more, we have a lot more in common than divides us, but we always seem to be focusing on the things that divide us. And if you go back to the to the charter meeting when we pulled out of it earlier on in the spring, in May, in May I think it was, over the late payments of uh, supports this autumn, we met with no farm organisation till the morning we were protesting outside the Department of Agriculture in Dublin. That's that's backing ourselves and other farm organisations into the corner. It's not showing respect to other farm organisations either. So the first thing, we ha- it's a reality. There is six or seven farm organisations there now, whether we like it or not, and we have to work with it. And we've got to work in a way that on the big issues we're united. And what should have happened there was we should have met those farm organisations in advance of uh, protesting outside the Department of Agriculture in Dublin. And look, I don't agree with uh, uh, one of the farm organisations passing us. They shouldn't have done that. No, no, Francie, that was a bad look. I, I mentioned yeah. it to the county chairman here, Jim Mulhall. It was. Justify jeering and heckling another farm organisation. It, it was, Matt. And, and Do you that, justify it? Uh, y- Do you condemn it? I don't condemn it and I don't justify it. It's a reality. And and that's what happens when you back yourself into a corner and you back other farm organisations into a corner. We should have met them long before that morning and, and, and hoped that that wouldn't happen. That's the point I'm making about being proactive in how you do your business and whether it's about dealing with other farm organisations or dealing with policy or dealing with internal issues in IFA or dealing with finances, whatever it is, we've got to be more proactive in how we do our business. Martin, you lead people onto the street. Surely you have a responsibility to ensure that they don't let the side down. And, and that, to me, is what happened that day. To a certain extent, Matt, I agree. Uh, IFA protests by and large, and those I've been involved in over 20 years, have always been respectful of uh, the guard instructions on the day and also been courteous to everyone we've met along, along the way. Um, like what happened that day was certainly re- regrettable. I, 
I, I have a strong sense as well we'd be far better off if we didn't find ourselves in a situation where one farming organisation was uh, walking past another farming organisation's protest but the reality is things were said that day to fellow farmers that should not, should not have been said. IFA priorities is correctly I believe economic sustainability but there is a reality that three quarters we saw the figures on the on the on, on the journal there recently three quarters of dry stock farmers are unviable economically and becoming more so I would suggest because we are more and more dependent on government or EU subventions and and that's not to me a definition of sustainability am I correct well, there's a whole lot of different uh, definitions of su- sustainability, Matt. Um, does a farm have to be able to generate an income for one person or for an entire family? Or does a farm have to supplement an, in- an off-farm income? All three are working really well in this country and, and providing really uh, decent lives and livings for people, 100, over 120,000 farmers in this country. Um, so I don't, I don't go along with the notion that just because a farm might be small size or might be operating in a, in a sector that has low margin, that it's unviable. And if you were to ask me what is the biggest threat to viability in most farms at, at this moment in time, it is succession and the lack of young people willing to commit to a life in agriculture. And a lot of that, if you, when you talk to young people, and I do, a big part of it comes from the fact that they don't feel there's enough respect for farmers. And, they, and they're, they're attracted in because it's easy, there's easier money and easier hours in other sectors of the economy at the moment. That mightn't last. But as a whole, succession is a huge issue for farming in this country. I put the same question on sustainability to you, economic sustainability, yeah. that by, by its very definition, in my view, we're going in completely the wrong direction. We're becoming a dependency sector. Well... The reality is, particularly in the beef side of the house, um, if you want to be able to compete with beef coming in from Brazil or Argentina or Uruguay, where they have uh, limitless amounts of land available to to farm, they show a flagrant disregard for the environment, they have cheap labour, they use hormones. We can't produce our beef to those standards in this country. We're regulated. We're regulated in a way that we can't use hormones. We have standards. Uh, we have uh, standards around environment, land availability. So, if we want a beef industry in this country, we're going to have to be prepared to support it. And that's that's those figures that Chagas came out with during the week doesn't surprise me because I see my own farm at home, sucker beef and sheep farm. My supports have been halved since two thousand and eight. So how, do you, how can you expect somebody to stay in business when you're in a sector that needs the support with the supports being pulled to the level that they have been? And we're subject to environmental regulation. We're in subject to uh, uh, animal welfare regulation. The availability of land to us has been limited massively by European policy over the last uh, 10 years. No point in blaming dairy farmers for it. Its policy has driven it in that direction. So if they want a beef industry in this country and you won't have a beef ind- a dairy industry without a beef industry, it's going to have to be supported. And we're heading down the wrong direction here. They need to support the beef industry in a way that they haven't been prepared to do over the last 10 to 15 years. OK, final question for you. Why should IFA members vote for you next month? Because... I believe in the organisation. I want to restore it, as I said earlier, to the political powerhouse it was 20 years ago. I want effective members who feel that IFA have left them behind in the last 10 years to feel that they can uh, 
uh, elect somebody that will represent him in a, in a strong, proactive, ambitious way. I believe I'm that person and I want people to be able to say at the end of my four years that they were proud to be a member of the, uh, an association where Francie Gorman was president. Last word goes to you, Martin Stapleton. Why should IFA members vote for you in November? Because I believe I have the ability to invigorate the association once again. I have a strategic plan outlined under the four pillars I, I talked about earlier in the interview to boost again the respect that's there for farmers, to unify farmers, um, to give farmers back the freedom to farm within environmental constraints and at the same time, and because of all of those three, restoring and, and protecting the income for farmers going forward. I want to focus on bringing young people not only into the association, hugely into the industry. I want to focus on this, making the organisation diverse and modern in a way that it hasn't modernised uh, uh, relevant to 2023. Martin Stapleton and Francie Garman, candidates for IFA presidency, thank you very much for coming into studio this evening.